0: The title of my sermon is The Perfect Person, but I really like it as The Perfect Body. But uh, as Jose was trying to look up perfect body on the internet, you can imagine what he got. So, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know he was looking up, trying to come up with an illustration. He says, the perfect body won't work, Pastor. You just can't do that. <laughs> so it kept coming up with my picture, you know. <laughs> just the joke. Yeah, of course it wouldn't come up. But anyhow, the perfect person is, and, and, and meaning that the perfect body is the body of Christ. And how that we need to see what that body entails. And it means more than just a, a, a person's uh, looks, their size, their shape, or their gender. It's more than just that. The perfect body is the body of Christ. And how that that body interacts, and how that the body of Christ relates And we we spoke in uh, Sunday school about wisdom. And wisdom is, is not just the accumulation of knowledge. That's the philosophy. When wisdom is the knowledge and the application of that knowledge to everyday events, to our everyday life. And so what we're doing is we are accumulating knowledge and then we're taking that knowledge and how does it translate, transfer to how we live? That's wisdom. And God says, if any man lacks wisdom, you see, a fool doesn't know that he's foolish. You know, and it's in the Forrest Gumpism, <laughs> stupid is as stupid does. And I know we're not supposed to use the word stupid. I'm sorry, you know, that for those of you who have that off limits for your kids. Um, uh, and that's all right. It's a good thing to be off limits for some words and especially that one because we can... Um, Throw it out there quite easily, but some people are just stupid <laughs> you know, they are just dumb you know there 's just no way around it you know they, they just don 't they can 't find their way out of of a, you know they can't they can 't go left or right without being you know in the in the scripture and the lesson this morning you know the illustration was you can always tell the foolish person why because there he goes walking down the road in the wrong direction again you know they 're always lost, and they don 't even know they 're lost so the perfect body, the body of Christ, is one that, which belongs to Jesus Christ, which is the believer, you and I, and as we fit into the body of Christ, we find that each person has their own spot, their own function, and that each part of our body has a way of helping and aiding the other parts of the body. The scripture is in Romans chapter 8, verses 9 to 11, and it's the same text that we used last week. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome him, in whom he dwells, Even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. Hmm. We experience life on God's terms. See, we're, we're so prone to think that if you have enough faith, we can live life on our terms and instruct God how he's supposed to do things. It doesn't work that way. If you haven't found that out yet, you will. You know, we, we cannot, our faith does not put God on, on, uh, in, in our chart. God, this is the outline that I have for my life, and this is what I want you to do to make this happen. That's not what faith is. We find that life, we are living life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life. Okay? If we have sinned in thought, word, or deed, we ask God to come into our lives. Forgive us. And if he has moved in, God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus. Bringing you alive to himself. One of the things that went on in our, in, um, in our wisdom in our Sunday school this morning about the book of Ecclesiastes and how that Solomon is arriving at these different conclusions as he experiences them, he puts it in the perspective that all of us, no matter how wealthy or how poor, we're all equal in the aspect we will stand before God with nothing but ourselves to speak of, to answer for. So, whether we are the wealthiest or whether we are the poorest, we still have the responsibility of standing before God with who we are. And as we look over these scriptures and we see that we're not an isolated island, you know, in the scripture it talks about um, if you cut off your finger and it's laying on the floor, it's separate from the body and it loses its effectiveness. It doesn't do the body any good anymore. And so our lives are ineffective if we think we're an island separated from the rest of the body. We are part of the body of Christ. And as part of the body of Christ, we have a function. Now we may say, well, uh, I'm really not that important. Well, try cutting off your little toe and see if it has an effect upon you. (laughs) Try taking away this or that and see if it doesn't have an effect upon your body. It has an effect. So everyone has a part of the body, is a part of the body of Christ. We have to come to the place where we realize that we are part of this body, the the greater body of Jesus Christ. And it's not just a local body, it is a worldwide body. And we all have our part, our function, presently here in this place and in the greater body of Christ around the world. So... The God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life. He'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. The end of all things, we stand before God. And when God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. You are delivered from the life in which you think you were dead. That you had no purpose, you have no reason, that you can't see beyond your own life and what the influences of what's going on and how that you can take care of you. If you can't see beyond that, stupid is as stupid does, (laughs) we find that that dead life, you are delivered from it with his spirit living in you. It is the spirit of God that is alive in us that makes the difference. It would, be, it, would, it would be nice if we could, and, and, and again, this is um, self-improvement, self-help philosophies and so on, that you can do this on your own. You've got to take this knowledge. You've got to put it in your life. You've got to think this. It takes 21 days to make a habit. So let's change, you know, we're all slaves to habits. So let's make good habits and become slaves to them. And it's all about what you do and how you think and what, you know, all that type of stuff. And you can make it to wherever you can think and grow rich. You can, uh, how how to influence people by your thoughts and words and actions and mannerisms. If you touch your chin, that's a good thought. If you touch your neck, you're being choked by their presence. Did you know that? If you're with people and they're holding their neck, you're choking them. <laughs> if you take your thumbs and put them in your pocket, that means you've lost it, but if you got your thumbs out, it means you're in charge. Oh jeez. You know, body language how that we are in someone's presence. That's going on YouTube. Oh jeez. <laughs> You see, our body language tells a whole story about what's going on, and Jesus is telling us we belong to the body of Christ. Now, belonging to the body of Christ has certain things, certain qualities. Well, this is what we spoke about last week. Experiencing life on God's terms, God can be trusted even when his ways are mysteries to us God can be trusted even when his ways are mysteries to us we're living life on God's terms we don't have the plan we know the outcome of the plan and we know that God is working the plan but we can't always see we don't know all the things are going to happen tomorrow we don't know what's going to happen by next week God does We live in the body of Christ, and in that body we are safe. And we can trust God even when we don't understand His ways. So, the first thing we spoke about last week was, and how many remember it, so I'll raise your hand. The first thing we talked about last week was the heart. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) You knew that. (laughs) The heart. If we're going to have the body of Christ, we've got to have a heart. And the Lord seeketh not, excuse me, the Lord seeth not as a man says, for a man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looks where? On the heart. See, everything isn't what it appears to be. God looks at the heart, the motive. Success or failure, what was the motive? Was the intent to hurt? Was the intent to destroy? God knows that. Well, What about wrong prayers? Did you ever have a wrong prayer? (laughs) Do you ever have a wrong prayer? Think about that. Well, it didn't turn... See, God knows what you want to say. Okay? God knows what you want to say. Sometimes we try to say the right thing and don't. (laughs) And people get upset over it. God can't. Why? Because he knew what you meant to say. Some people will say flowering things and in their heart they're just lying. (laughs) Okay? God knows that. So anyhow, God wants us to have a a, a good heart. A good heart. A heart that desires truth and love and and, and, and righteousness and before God. The second is a sound mind. Okay. He lost us on that one. (laughs) For God hath not given us a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So sound mind means sensible. Stupid is as stupid does. <laughs> sensible. Wisdom is the application of knowledge and truth to our life. We want to have a sound mind, and we also spoke about how that the helmet of salvation basically is knowing that we are saved, knowing that we are forgiven, and what happens? It protects our thoughts. There are so many things out there trying to get your thoughts. They're trying, there's so many things trying to initiate thoughts and get us going in the wrong direction. Salvation in our relationship with God guards our hearts, our minds. The relationship guards those things, garrisons them, garrison, Anyhow, a garrison of army guards them. All right, helmet of Salvation. Fourth one is hearing. <laughs> hearing, faith comes by hearing. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. We hear the word of God and it has an influence upon our minds, our hearts, our actions. And today we are looking at, today we're looking at I don't know, what do you think we're looking at? <clears throat> the mouth. <laughs> you know, this part right here. This, uh, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, that's part of who we are. Notice anything that doesn't go here. One of these things is not like the other. Taste and see. Did you ever think that taste and see don't go together? How can you taste something and see? Did you ever wonder that? So here's a piece of chocolate. And, whoops, whoops. <laughs> All right, uh, uh, was anybody willing to taste this and see that it was been on the floor and stepped on? <laughs> Anyone want to taste and see? Right. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Yeah, okay, you want to taste and see. Okay, come, taste and see. I want you to come and taste and see what I said is true. (laughs) It is a piece of chocolate that went on the floor that got stepped on. I didn't really step on it because then you'd have to clean the rug and pastor put chocolate in the rug and I have to clean it. (laughs) So we find that taste and see is tasting to understand. So we see that I have a... Hershey kiss that has been walked on and uh, dropped on the floor and are you willing to taste it and see that it is correct? Well, the opposite in, in the scripture is taste the goodness of God, sample his bounty, sample his grace, his love and forgiveness, sample what God is, who God is, And then see that it is correct. That when we ask for forgiveness, we are forgiven. Take in that which God has given us in his word, taste it, experience it. And once you experience it, you begin to see or understand it. So taste to make a discovery that we might see the goodness of God. Taste and sight. Taste and sight make discoveries. Hmm. So the body that is perfect has a mouth that will taste and also a mouth that speaks. Luke 6.45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart. Notice how that the scripture makes connections between the heart and the mouth, tasting and seeing, there are connections. You see, we are not isolated. One aspect of our body is not isolated from the other. We touch, we feel, we think, we experience, we have thoughts to go with, all of these things that come out in our body language. Because I can say that I am at peace, but you know, I don't fear anything. And I really don't get angry. <laughs> what, what's going on? What I'm saying doesn't match the expression. <laughs> I, I remember one situation which in, in, the, in the hospital, there was this lady and she, you know, she had her hands on the rails and her knuckles were white. And I'm asking her, what's wrong? And she says, nothing. <laughs> I said, are you frightened? no. I said, do you know where you're going? No. You know, she was scared to death of dying. And she, didn't, she couldn't tell you that. She wouldn't tell you that because you, to say it would mean that it might happen, and she's scared to death of it. And in our lives, we are scared to death because of what we're thinking, maybe not what we're experiencing. And it's important that we have the wisdom to think, to know, to get the connection between our heart and our mind, to get the connection between our tasting and our seeing, and that we allow the Spirit of God to indwell our lives in a way that influences our body language. The peace of God that passes all understanding shall guard your hearts and your minds that i am at peace why because god is with me and nothing can separate me from the love of god i have tasted the love of god and i have it's more than just a knowledge it is something that holds my heart the same hands that were nailed to the cross are the same hands that hold a broken heart. The same God who says, My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives unto you, is the same peace of God that allowed him to go through the, cru- the crucifixion and the, the persecution and the suffering. Because there's a knowledge that overtake, there is a knowledge and an experience that is greater than the experience that we are having. <laughs> I have a knowledge of a God who will see me through, that nothing can separate me, and in that knowledge I have experienced it, I have tasted, I have seen it, and therefore as I now encounter life, I find that God is there. A good man out of the good treasure, the good treasure. Out of the good treasure. Out of the good treasure. A treasure chest. A treasure chest. Out of the good treasure chest of his heart. He bringeth forth that which is good. But an evil man. Out of the evil treasure. Of his heart. Bringeth forth that which is evil. For. Of the abundance of the heart his mouth will speak. (laughs) For of the abundance of the heart his mouth will speak. So we find that we began the body of Christ, we become the body of Christ because of our heart and our relationship with Jesus Christ, and how that our heart is forgiven, how that our heart and the healings of the wounds of our heart are there by Jesus Himself, who holds us and those imprints of his hands the nail prints in his hands are the imprints that are holding our hearts in its brokenness and how that 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 a place of security in Jesus I find good treasures and I begin to speak about it and so the heart is the seat of my treasure the heart is the seat of my words and my actions (laughs) for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So our heart confesses. Our mouth confesses what is in our heart. Our heart has a way of bringing confession. (laughs) Evil treasures (laughs) bring out evil. (sighs) You've been around people who are just destructive in their words. I think of, um, this comes from watching too many westerns, (laughs) you know, what was that one with um, Kevin Cosner, and he goes out in the west, and he's the lone soldier, and gets him with the, is it Cosner? Um, Wolves, dancing with wolves, that's it, dancing with Wolves. You know and and his and his uh he's there he's there around this little pond, you know, and he's washing and whatever, and they have this whole thing, and he looks over and they're staring at him as a deer in the water that's rotting <laughs> and the- the whole pool is poisoned because of the rotting animal in the in the water. sometimes people are like that that they're Their life is just full of, Jesus says, dead men's bones. Their life is full of poison. Their life is, and you know what, you don't, it's like you have to see it. And sometimes you don't have to see it to know that it's there. You can smell it. You can tell it by their words, and their words are destructive. Do the words of our mouth, (laughs) do you you ever hear the Komodo, is it the Komodo dragon? What is it called? Is that it? Is it Komodo dragon? You know, this thing is a big, lumbering animal. It's, they can be huge, like 20 feet long. They can be huge, and they're slow. You wonder, how on earth does this thing eat and kill? Do you know how it does it? If it can get close enough and sneak up enough to just bite something, there is enough bacteria in its mouth that that animal will get infected and die just by a nip, a scrape from its mouth. There are some people that just a few words from their mouth is so destructive and so infecting that people will begin to die from their words. And these are the things, the evil intents of people's heart, and that's a treasure? But to to this dragon, it's its only way to survive. Its only way to survive is to infect other people to the point that they will die. And that's what they live on. You see, God has a whole different perspective of life and of words of thoughts and of actions, of a heart's treasure that is able to think, to pray, to love, to forgive, to let it go, to get rid of the dead bones, the dead, the dead treasures, that are affecting our heart and our senses and our our words, our vocabulary. It affects everything, and God wants us to get rid of it. And how do we get rid of it? We forgive. Put it in God's hands. There are some people and some things and some events that have just been like that dragon that's put an infection in the the system. Well, what are we going to do about it? Well, it's the only way they know to live. But I'm not going to die while they're going through their living process. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. And I'm going to turn that life over to God. And I'm going to focus on my life and what God has for me to do, what God has for me to live. Let God deal with the heart, your heart, my heart. Let God forgive us. Let God come in and heal the brokenness and heal the woundedness because God knows, Jesus knows exactly what it is like to be wounded mistakenly for somebody else's actions, misguided actions. He knows exactly what it's like to be wounded for somebody else's misguided actions and thoughts. And he, who better than he to come and heal the woundedness of other people's actions upon our own hearts. So let God clean up the well, let God clean up the treasure, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart speak and build and edify. Don't allow the contamination of the dragon Don't allow the contamination and the infection of that dragon to influence our hearts and our words anymore. So what do you want to create with your words? What do you want to create with your thoughts? What is the dream that God has placed in your heart? What is the dream that God has placed there? And if it's not working, change what you are creating. Change your words. Your dream, create it with, with the word of God because God has given us our dream and he is coming together with our wisdom and our understanding and his word and his spirit to create something. <laughs> the outlook of evil is to infect, to destroy to constantly work at, eating away at. That's the effect of evil. God's effect upon our life is forgiveness, is healing, is restoration, is hope. It's peace. It's joy. It's understanding. God wants to bring all this about, and so God's word, as we are part of the body of Christ, we speak, we hear God's word, and we speak that word into our life by remembering it and by praying and talking about it. God's word. What if God looked at us and said, oh, well, you know, that's just David. He's failed again. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a failure. No, that's the person with the, you know, he's got this problem. He's got, that's the person with that problem. That's the person with that diagnosis. We put a diagnosis on it and God, you know, if God were like us, we would be in trouble. Because we diagnose things and people never let go of the diagnosis. But God diagnoses things and he has what is necessary for the healing. And he knows what the problem is, but he knows more, he knows better what we can become. And so in that process, God looks at us and he doesn't diagnose the problem. God tells the problem, this is what you can become. Now let go of the problem and let's become this. Let's put our sights over here. Let's allow the Spirit to put a treasure in your heart and from that treasure, allow God to speak, to think. You can think God's thoughts. You can by his word. His word desires for us to have truth and love, forgiveness. And we can think God's thoughts and put them into words that encapsulate our dreams and we begin to pray and speak and seek and go in those (sighs) directions. He looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. The song (laughs) I like. Failure, misfits, (laughs) but you see, by his word, by his grace, by his mercy, I am a new creation. I am created anew. And the most powerful thing that we have, the most powerful tool that we have is the words that speak the treasure of our heart. To edify, to build, to exhort, to encourage. Faith comes by hearing, and so as I hear the word of God, as I hear faith, as I hear it and as I see it, I taste it. I can taste this. We can taste the victory. How can you taste the victory? You ever wonder that? You can taste the victory. What? I, don't, I can't taste it. Is it in the air? I can taste success. (laughs) Isn't it It's kind of like a taste and see? The abundance of the word fills our hearts and fills the chambers of our lives. And and we can taste the word and, and it verifies how good it is, how wonderful it is. And so the word is our hope. And from this position of the word speaking hope, the word of life, the word of faith, the word of thankfulness, the word of courage, the word of possibility. You see, speech is the best way to pick out the wise person from the fool." I caught that quote in our Sunday school lesson this morning: "Speech is the best way to pick out the wise person from the fool." Speech? Is the best way to pick out the wise person from the fool. What are we saying? But you see, we belong to the body of Christ. It's greater than our individual isolated self that's been cut off and will you know, off on our own. God has brought us into his body. We have become his child. And he, he is part, we are part of him. He is part of us and our speech. And the, guess what the next one is? Tongue. <laughs> James 3.8 But the tongue can no man tame and it is unruly evil full of deadly poison. <laughs> You, know, when you see a, a, a snake that sticks out this tongue and why, That's not the poison. It's just feeling and sensing the air <laughs> and what's around so that it can strike. Romans 3, their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongue they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. <laughs> There's a bunch of scriptures that talk about that, but that's not the point. Psalm 35, And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness, of thy praise all the day long. My tongue will speak the praise of God and of God's righteousness and of the goodness of God. Luke. And his mouth was opened immediately and his tongue loosed and he spoke and he praised God. God has a way of influencing, loosing our tongues. Do you ever pray for somebody's tongue to be silent? (laughs) Well, God is praying for us to speak. God is praying for us to speak. You're not saying amen because, you know, I don't want him or her to speak too much, you know. They might get the wrong impression. God has empowered us to speak the word of truth. And 1 Corinthians 13, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, talking about motive, and I don't have love in my heart as the motive nothing more than clanging cymbals and a beating drum acts chapter 2 verse 26 therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad so we find that what is in our heart is reflected in our speech reflected in our in our in our conversation the perfect body perfect person works as one unit. Our mind, our sight, our talk, our taste, our heart, have one focus. (laughs) Have one focus, and it's God. And we talk about it. We become excited about it. And God has a way of building and edifying, and taking the wisdom and the knowledge that we have and making it bloom. <laughs> uh, years ago, probably 35 years ago, I heard a woman speak, the rose that blooms in the desert. Everything says it should die. There is no water There's no nutrients. There's nothing but heat and drought. And out of that heat and drought, this flower blooms. In our lives, it doesn't matter our surroundings. It doesn't matter what has happened. It doesn't matter what will happen. It matters that God has planted a seed in our life. And that his spirit, his love, his grace, his mercy will cause it to bloom when everything else says it can't be there. It can't happen. It can't be done. But in our heart, we feel it. We have a treasure that says it can happen. Our mind has knowledge, but the wisdom of God says it can happen. And then the voice kicks in and we begin to taste it and we begin to talk about it. We begin to believe it and we allow God to take something and make it something else. To take nothing and bring it into something. We have a God who touches our hearts, heals the wounds, puts the good treasure there, and wants us to speak about it in love and in faith. Amen? Amen? Let's stand, shall we? It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing you do. He'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus. Bring you alive to himself. And when God lives and breathes in you, you are delivered from the dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. Amen? I am alive in Christ. He is alive in me. God and I make a majority amen? So what is your dream? Think on it, pray on it, talk on it, build it for what it needs to be in Christ, amen? Amen. Say amen. Amen. Say amen. Amen. Goodbye.